Welcome to the Circle City Cinema with your beloved host and the one and only Zach Griffith, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Circle City Cinema. I'm your host, Zach Griffith, and I'm joined as always on our WandaVision episodes by the founder, the host of The Running Hook, the co-host of the Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour, Alex Burr. You know, it's it's this show is going to be, you know, I, I don't like to break out the giant words often, the giant, you know, big words often, but this show is going to be a bullion for me, Zach. I, wow. I'm, pro- I'm 100% pronouncing that wrong, but... I'm going to be joyous on this episode because I am 100% right. So um, give the give the little warning that we need, we should have been giving this entire time at the top. But yeah, well, apologies if you've stumbled across us and had your life ruined. But uh, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, we're going, uh, we're, we're diving into every aspect of this episode of WandaVision and uh, try not to leave any stone unturned. So uh, you've, you've been warned. To quote Jason Concepcion, we're going deep. <laughs> you love to see it. You love to see it. But you mentioned it. Uh, the congratulations are in order. Alex, you called Agatha Harkness from the fucking top. From the rope. From the fucking jump. You called Agatha Harkness is Agnes. Uh, congratulations, my friend. Listen, you know, I don't I want to take too much credit. You know, Google Google did a lot of the work as well, you know, but in all seriousness, this just felt like a coincidence that, to me from the very beginning that just felt like it was too big to not notice. And again, shout out to shout out to Jim Gordon, you know, <laughs> telling <laughs> I feel like I've said that seven times for seven episodes in this podcast. I guess we've only done six episodes technically still. I feel like I said it seven times, but I'm not allowed to believe in coincidences, Zach. No. And this was a giant fucking coincidence that stood out like, you know, it stood out like Wanda's uh, Scarlet Witch suit. <laughs> so, ah, yeah. Listen, we're going to talk about the execution later, but the, <laughs> the fucking theme song that they gave her was phenomenal. Yeah. That whole, that whole last five minutes of the show, that was just this show is blowing my mind on how well they're executing everything about it. It's really hats off to Marvel. I didn't think the show would be this good and I would be this riveted by it. They have done a phenomenal fucking job. They have done a phenomenal job and you can't believe in coincidences, especially when Kevin Feige and company are involved because they, I mean, I think Endgame is a perfect example where on your left and stuff like that, that like if you have paid attention to the series, and you know it well, you're going to be rewarded for it. You're going to be rewarded for sticking around. But, uh, Alex, this is uh, much like when Quicksilver showed up. We don't really have a choice here. We have to talk about Agatha at the top. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think uh, this was the second. I think, I think Quicksilver was a bigger reveal than this simply because... I mean, do you agree with that? I don't think we expected uh, oh. X-Men Quicksilver to show up. Oh, God, no. But I also thought it was telling that she was the one. I thought the biggest reveal in this episode wasn't that she was Agatha. Because, again, we kind of knew that. And we could, 
both of us could kind of see it coming for the last few weeks if you've been listening to the show. The bigger reveal to me in this episode is that she was the one who is controlling Pietro. Right. This was the biggest reveal to me in the episode, and we'll obviously get into that in more detail later. But that answered a big question. Now, where did she get this Pietro? Who knows? And we'll I'm sure we'll get to that later. But that to me, you know, I think obviously, yes, Pietro was by far the biggest reveal in this whole this whole show, right? Like so far. But this is second Agatha, without a doubt. Agatha controlling Pietro and the, the, us finding out how he got to Westview. I that's a pretty close second. I would say that's one A, almost. I would be fine with that one A. I mean, yeah, I kind of I felt like this was the one where it would be revealed because she was just acting stranger than usual the whole time. Agatha was or Agnes was. And especially when she took the kids, said Wanda needed a break. That that was a little uh, nudge, and then that direction. But do you think Agatha is the big bad, or do you think uh, something bigger is on the horizon? I could see it going either way, and I know that's not a good podcast answer, but well, you mentioned the song. The song makes it seem like she is the big bad. Listen. Again, I have not read House of M, but one would be led to infer by reading about House of M that she is serving Mephisto. And because we still don't know where Tommy and Billy came from. And this is one of the biggest questions that I think has been around since the beginning of the season, right? Since she got pregnant with the twins. Yep. So it's very likely that she's just an evil witch trying to, you know, do some fucked up shit with some kids, right? However, and I'm not going to do the Stephen A impression right now because I don't I don't really feel like it, but <laughs> you just just know that it was meant with a Stephen A inflection, Zach. Um, <laughs> I don't think... Well, Max, you're wrong. You're totally wrong, and I disagree with you. <laughs> God damn it, Zach. <laughs> I think there's, I would, okay. I'll do percentages. 70% Agatha is not the big bad. And I'll give it 30% that she is. Okay. That's fair. And you bring up House of M. As we all know, if you've read the source material, Mephisto was used to make the twins come about. And who saves Wanda? Her father, Magneto. So, the next question was: Is she is Agatha working with or for someone? If she's working for someone, it's probably Mephisto. You led to believe. Is there even a Ralph, Alex? Oh, hell, Ralph! We've heard so much about. Does he even exist? No, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) And this this was the beauty to me. Okay, because again. I kind of saw this coming. I knew because, okay, we definitely called it, especially after the Sparky part of it, right? She definitely, we knew that she definitely killed that dog. RIP. RIP to Sparky. You were, you're a real one. Um, she admitted it. She admitted it. She admitted, like, I thought that part of the song really capped it off well. I thought that whole part of the show was done just phenomenally well. Again, but, no stone unturned. 
<laughs> no. And I loved like, okay. She, the way that they wrote her, she was a sitcom filler. And then B, you could like, once the reveal was made, you're like, oh yeah, that's how the rabbit appeared in the, appeared in the hat. Like, cause Wanda didn't do that. Right. And it's how Pietro showed up again. Wanda didn't do that. Right. And we kind of could have guessed it, but now that it's confirmed, it all makes more sense. But the thing with this show, and I feel like we're, I'm a broken record on this, the questions that we've had before are answered, but now it opens up doors to new questions. We don't know. And we only have two episodes left. And goddamn, if I'm not fucking excited for these last two episodes. Well, you remember how we talked about um, these last three episodes are going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting? I really didn't think this one did a lot of heavy lifting until near the end with this Agnes reveal. I mean, I just, I didn't think so. So now, and we'll get to vision in a sec because vision is kind of on an Island here. I, I would disagree. I would disagree, Zach. I would say about seven minutes of the episode are heavy lifting. And about three of those mi- Minutes are, as we'll discuss later in the episode, Monica getting her powers. Yeah. That does a lot of heavy lifting. And I think that's a good point. Like that scene, I thought that was one of, you know, one of the most important scenes because she's definitely going to be a character in future movies for sure now. Yeah. I think her on screen charisma, like Tiana Paris, please, more, (laughs) more of that. She's fucking phenomenal. She's doing a hell of a job. And so I would say seven minutes of heavy lifting and then 23 minutes of sitcom. Would you say that's a fair ratio? Yeah, I'd say that's fair. And here's a question for you. You mentioned uh, Elizabeth Olsen should get nominated for an Emmy here. And I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen, but I agree with you. If you had to pick one to get nominated for best supporting actress, in a drama for an Emmy. Would it be Tiana Paris or Catherine Hahn? Don't make me choose. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm going to lean Hahn, honestly. She's been, would, there, she's been there from the jump. I would probably lean Hahn too. But then again, we've gotten the full gamut from Tiana Paris. She did the, you know, the Geraldine bit for the first couple episodes. Then episode four, she did a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, then episode five, you know, like episode five on, she, I think she's done a really phenomenal job in this whole series. I would probably lean on to, but it's not a choice that I'd want to have to make. I don't want to make it either. And you know, who's not going to be nominated for best boss. Hayward. Hayward is not going to be nominated. for best. Boss. <laughs> don't call me Gordon. Yes. Hayward sucks. <laughs> or Jason. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> course you have to tie it into the fucking cubs Zach. <laughs> <laughs> well let me tell you if he's getting paid less than jason hayward it's a miracle i mean uh, do you think God. do you think his cannons are like uh, jason hayward's cannon of an arm <laughs> no no i don't i don't <laughs> but as for if if i think agatha's the big bad i don't i don't i think there's someone someone else behind the scenes here. Uh, and I, if there is, it has to be Mephisto. It just has to be. But 
That brings me to the mystery cameo, which according to Paul Bettany hasn't happened yet. Has not happened yet. And here's a quote from Paul Bettany in his Esquire interview recently. People seem to think it's Doctor Strange. Truth is, there's one character that has not been revealed. And it's very exciting. It's an actor I've longed to work with all my life. And it is not Doctor Strange, according to that quote, because they worked together on the 2009 film Creation. Paul Bettany and Benedict Cumberbatch did. So, much to my chagrin. (laughs) Hold on. We're going to have to pause the podcast here for a second because that's the sound of Zach's heartbreaking if you can't hear that in the background. We're going to have to cry. We're going to have to cry for a sec. Hold on. What were were some of the predictions of uh, some of the people that he was excited to work with that we had? I think I said they reanimated the corpse of Marlon Brando. (laughs) Um... <laughs> Look how they massacred my vision. <laughs> oh, you got it pulled up? Are you looking at it? Yes, I, I yes I am. <laughs> Listen, I don't know who what the else, fuck who else do we have? Um you said I am anticipating Leo or Brad Pitt level of celebrity. That's right, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I said it would be funny if it was Sasha Baron Cohen as Borat. <laughs> <laughs> my wife <laughs> oh shit who could like who could it be though Christian Bale is getting a role uh, in 2024 right I mean honestly I'm expecting when he says shit like this I'm expecting like one of the heavy hitting actors we have like Brad Pitt or Leo so and let's face it uh, Matt Damon has already been in an MCU film. I don't think he will be again. Christian Bale will be in an MCU film. That's two of like A-list actors right there. Yep. Um, shout out Ford versus Ferrari. Angelina Jolie is going to be in one. Yes. So take her off the board. If they get Tom fucking Cruise, <laughs> there's no oh. way he's going to be in a Marvel movie. No. No. <laughs> but wow. if they got Tom fucking Cruise, who else is who else is A-list? Wow. Joaquin Phoenix would never. No. I mean, he, he just did he the did, Joker. He did the Joker because he thought it was artsy, and it was kind of. Every, the, everyone, like, I feel like an actor's dream is to play the Joker because it's like, you could be a fucking psychotic person. Yeah, because uh, you look at the three actors who played him most recently, not counting Jared. <laughs> It's Joaquin, Heath, and Jack Nicholson. Like, that's pretty damn good. <laughs> it's hard to beat. I mean, hell, Jared Leto ain't even bad. Two of them won, two of them won Oscars for it. So wait, Zach, Zach, Zach. Is Matthew McConaughey an A-list actor? Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah. What if they get Matthew fucking McConaughey to do an MCU role? What would it be, though? Would he be Mephisto? I don't know. <laughs> He'd be a good Mephisto, actually. Wanda, those kids are all right, all right, all right. (laughs) I'm the devil. Time is a flat circle. He actually would be a decent Mephisto. I mean, that like you have to think on that level though. Like Amy Adams to me is an A-list actress. Yeah, she totally is. I wouldn't think she's been in too many DC movies. She's Lois Lane right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Too much going on. Who else? That's the thing. A lot of these A-list people have been in Marvel movies. Or are going to be. Definitely not Affleck. Oh, God, no. No, you're Uh, telling me Ben Affleck isn't going to want to be in a Marvel movie? Shocking. (laughs) 
I don't know who else. I really don't. Denzel. Denzel is never stepping foot on a Marvel <laughs> set. I can promise you that. Like, uh, uh, but uh, on all seriousness, I'm expecting that kind of level of celebrity, like Brad Pitt or Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't think it's gonna be either of those guys, but uh, someone like that, somebody with that kind of leeway in Hollywood. I don't. I don't know. I can't wait to see. I hope it's. I really hope it's next episode. I really hope they don't make us wait one more week. But you know, we're coming down to it, Alex. We're coming down to the wire. There's only two episodes left. Uh, but let's dive in to this one. I'm going to run through these scenes real quick, and then we're going to go in depth on them. And then we're going to end, as always, with our questions and theories and our shameless plugs. But here, let's start. Wanda losing control of her powers. Things. Are changing eras. Items, the milk carton is even changing eras. The broadcast signal that Sword has to get into the hex has is gone. It doesn't work anymore. Vision, who was saved by the expansion of the hex in the last episode, caught up in the new circus <laughs> that Wanda has created. Vision then meets up with Darcy, who got trapped in the hex. Uh, Agnes takes Billy and Tommy for the day. That's and for the rest of their lives. For the rest of their lives, they're never coming back. Well, Jimmy Woo finds that Hayward was trying to rescue Vision to try and salvage his weapon. Zach, I feel like for all your Hayward hate, I'm really surprised that you didn't have rescue in quotation marks there. I should have. I should have. Because he's not. We'll talk about it later. He's not trying to rescue Vision. He's just trying to salvage his uh He's trying to turn WMD. Into... Yeah. I told you Hayward is evil. Is he? Uh, well, I, I agree. He's, I don't know if I'd go evil at this point. I think uh, he's definitely fishy. Something fishy's going on. I don't, I don't know if I'm willing to go Hydra, you know? I, I don't think I am either, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll get back to the plot points because I, I, I'll have more Gordon Hayward jokes later. You Just, just you wait. <laughs> Monica and Jimmy meet up with some renegade sword agents who have become dismayed. Who can imagine why with uh, Hayward? Vision breaks Darcy from the mind control, and they join forces. And then kind of a cool sequence here. The cameraman, because this was like a Modern Family, The Office-style sitcom this week. The cameraman asks Wanda if she deserves to lose control. She deserves to not know what's going on. And then we get the commercial this week, the Nexus commercial. And the Nexus, of course, is a gateway that provides path, a, a path to all realities. Uh, Monica enters the hex again. Uh, <laughs> we don't know about that judgment there, but she enters the hex again. Taps into her Marvel, her Captain Marvel or Spectrum powers. I'm not really sure which. I'm leaning Spectrum, but... I guess we'll find out. She hears voices from Carol Danvers and her mother on her way into the hex. I thought that was pretty cool. Don't forget about Nick Fury. Yeah, Sam. that's right. You did hear Nick Fury. You did hear Sam Sam Jackson saying something. <laughs> you heard, uh, what was his name in Goodfellas? What was his name in Goodfellas? Stax Edwards. Stax Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> you told me to make the coffee. I was going to make the coffee. <laughs> Rest in peace, Frankie Carbone. 
Oh, he's frozen. He's frozen. He's gone. Darcy explains the Infinity War events to Vision because he, remember, he has no memory of what happened before his death. Monica confronts Wanda and exhibits her newfound powers. Agnes, meanwhile, takes Wanda away from this confrontation, takes, takes her away. And then, of course, the reveal. Agnes is revealed to be Agatha Harkness. Wanda walks into Agatha's lair. The kids uh, might be dead. I think it's safe to say they're gone. Agatha turns out conjured the X-Men Quicksilver that showed up, played by Evan Peters, and Quicksilver in the post credit scene. First one of the series. Catches Monica trying to sneak into Agatha's house. So, Alex, we'll start from the top. Wanda losing control of her powers here. Kind of shows uh, Agatha kind of runs the show here. So, just real quick, I know we didn't have this in the doc, but let's appreciate the fact that they pretty well mimic sitcoms from the last several decades. Yeah. They did a very good job of it. And, you know, this is like obviously the last one we're getting. They said we're getting every decade, and I believe they've touched all their bases now, if I'm not mistaken. They've done six decades, and they started in the 50s. So, real quick math, they, that adds up. Um, I would have liked them to see it. I would have liked them to do Arrested Development, so especially since um, <laughs> Zach, I'm pretty sure you you've seen this somewhere. Is that they had the blue Tobias mm-hmm. in the collector's collection? Yep, in space. So it would have been a nice nod, especially since they do a lot of um, <laughs> Arrested Development jokes in general. Like I, I won't bother to look them all up, but it's the Russos, man. It's yeah, they worked on Arrested Development, yep. but they did a really good job just with all this sitcom shit and. I'm glad that they did it and I, they executed it really well, but the start of the episode. So back to that, Wanda's kind of just losing control of everything. I thought the way that she put it, I don't remember the exact quote, but she's like, it's a case of the Mondays where, you know, you accidentally expand your, uh, the borders to the, to the fake false world you created. (laughs) This is, this should be the episode that wins. Wins Elizabeth Olsen the Emmy. She was fucking great in this episode. She's like by herself full time, pretty much. And she like you just see like the all the the time changing sequences are are really great. You know, like the kids, whatever video game console they're playing, it goes from the modern console, GameCube, <laughs> like. I think it was the NES, then the Atari, then eventually they were just holding Uno cards in their hands. <laughs> so I thought that was a great sight gag. But yeah, she's just Wanda's just losing all her grip on reality at this point. And it was this was a good episode to introduce Agatha in just because she wasn't gonna keep be able to keep this going for much longer, I I would say. No, she wasn't. And I think the next big plot point to hit is Vision meeting up with Darcy. Darcy, you know, she got sucked into the hex last episode. Didn't know how that was going to turn out for her. And turned out better than she could have hoped, I got to say. <laughs> she got sucked in right at the right place. <laughs> Vision was there waiting for her. Uh, would you have let Agnes take your kids away, Alex? No. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Given the course of what we know in the show so far, it adds up because 
who's been there for Wanda more than Agnes has? Right. And of course she's been there for the kids. She, you know, saw them grow up five years and didn't say anything. Wanda used her powers right in front of her, which again, should have been a warning sign to Wanda. Vision didn't like it. Yeah. And I would not have let Agnes go away with the kids. And that, that part was really, was really creepy to me. Just generally speaking. Yeah, it totally was. And uh, I'm going to let you riff on Hayward here because we find out that you kind of hit on it earlier, but we find out he uh, is trying to extract Vision. Uh, he was trying to get Vision back online before Wanda stole the body. And now he's just trying to get him out altogether. Well, what do you think his intentions are here? Oh, he definitely wants to use vision as a weapon 100 <laughs> percent. like why else are you trying to revive vision he's well i mean if you work for the government you gotta weaponize shit i mean <laughs> are you creating a mid-2000s work of art zach is that is that what you're doing right now <laughs> what what <laughs> making making iraq war allegories got the government's got to weaponize no, shit no <laughs> I mean, listen, to be fair, every like piece of mid-2000s art that you see oh, feels like an, yeah. some, kind of, some kind of indictment on the Iraq war. That, that's the only reason I, I made that joke. But See Revenge of the Sith. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm in this for the Republic, for democracy! <laughs> um, no, I think that he was definitely just trying to make him into a weapon, and... They're going to try to use all a lot of this like technology, right? The government, generally speaking, is just trying a to make money. Like especially in the Marvel universe, they're just trying to get their way, and they can't control the superheroes, so they want to have weaponry to maybe control the superheroes. So I think maybe we'll find out more about what Hayward was trying to do with Vision, because this was we only had like two minutes of Hayward on actual screen. Right, not not a lot at all this episode. I don't even think it was two minutes. Uh, it was not. I don't think it was. So not. we'll have to we'll have to see what Hayward's up to. But there's no way they're gonna leave this shit unexplained. In in my mind, no, they can't. They can't. They totally can't. And especially since this is a mini series and not just season one, right? Like it's over after these next two episodes are done. So you can't. You got, exactly. You got to explain it. You know, unless it comes up in another series, which. I don't, I don't think it will, but they got to address that. Uh, the next thing I think worth mentioning, Vision breaks Darcy from the mind control. I don't think uh, the writers really had a choice here. I think they had they had to get Darcy out of the mind control. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, really, really heavy exposition heavy because someone needed to do it. Vision, I'm glad Vision has the uh, the whole plot down now. Again, how does Darcy know so much about Vision's life? Like, how? That's, how does... I, I, that's the thing, too. Like, what? She knows, like, exactly what happened when Wanda had to kill Vision in Thanos' reverse time. Like, that's just common knowledge, I guess? Yeah. Like, wouldn't... And first of all, okay. This leads to a whole other host of questions. Was was uh was Darcy not snapped? Like is this just common knowledge to people that weren't snapped? Although although Monica knows. Yeah, right. 
Um, well, we know that Jimmy wasn't snapped. Right. I don't. I don't know about Darcy. I don't know if she. I. I. I don't think I, my gut says she wasn't, but I don't. I don't know. But like, these are the kind of questions that I have. Right. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is going on with <laughs> with Darcy? Because she, like, how the fuck does she know so much? And you know, at the first, you know, I know I gave that little explanation, like, oh, you know, this is probably like the royal family. Nah, nobody knows this much about the royal family. They televised the Battle of Wakanda. <laughs> reporting to you live from the battle of wakanda (laughs) hello new reporter stepping in for the guy that just got decapitated (laughs) reporting live from the battle of (laughs) hello third reporter stepping in for the guy that just got to (laughs) hello more valbert here with chris weber (laughs) more valbert here with chris weber carmelo anthony for three That's my that's my limited fake Marv Albert. <laughs> but, uh, like that's a, I don't know if we're gonna get an answer to that. Everybody just knows what the hell went down on Wakanda, I guess. But like in all seriousness, like they just needed exposition, 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 and this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, the writers didn't really have a choice here. They had to snap her out of it to to fill Vision in and set him up for. We'll get into it later at the end, but. Vision's Vision has a lot of work to do here. He's going to have to save Wanda with um, assuming Monica didn't get caught by Quicksilver at the end. Vision is uh, going to be by himself. We'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. We'll talk about that later in the episode, but it's that'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting. Vision in the cameo, I should say. Uh, what did you think about the cameraman, which we later found out was uh, Agnes? Agatha, but uh, that was a cool like record scratch moment when the cameraman asked her if she deserved this. First of all, I know Agatha's a witch, but she chose the wrong profession. She could have been the Billy West of the MCU. <laughs> I mean, first and foremost, just what voice? She voiced you? everybody. I know, I know. She could have been the uh, the yellow Eminem, not the yellow one. What's the what's the one that's a girl? Um, the green one? Green I think she's one, green. Yep. I don't know why they're making, they're genderizing M&Ms. That's a weird concept in and of itself that I'm not going to get into right now. But <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Like, Billy West has voiced right. like 7,000 things. If you look at his, like, IMDb. Billy West, to, off the top of my head, he's the red M&M. He's Bugs Bunny right now. He's, Fry from Futurama. Right. Uh shit, he's all he's all kinds of stuff. He is Woody Woodpecker, I think. <laughs> God. Billy West. But uh Bugs Bunny and uh Red Eminem are the big ones, I think. Let's see, he is You're totally right. You're totally right. Popeye and a new Popeye series. Wow. Um Who asked for that? Obviously Fry. Um looks like he was in Red and Stimpy. Or he was Stimpy and Ren and Stimpy. Oh. He was... Billy West history lesson, folks. He was in King of the Hill. All these... Like, the, all these people just have, like, all the voice acting roles. He probably appeared in The Simpsons at some point. I would guess, but I'm not going to look because I don't really... He's in... Uh, he's in a lot of... Anim- like, all the animated shows that you would think. Because... <laughs> He voices Rocket Raccoon in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Wow. 
Wow. Hey, that's a good show. I think that's on Disney Plus. That's pretty good. If I'm not mistaken, that's the one uh, Donald Glover voices Spider-Man. I think. So, yeah. Billy West. What I'm saying is is that Billy West doesn't hold a candle to Agatha Harkness, okay? <laughs> She's she, the Mel Blanc of regeneration, the, the woman of a thousand voices. <laughs> like, I mean, that was the perfect man's voice. Totally she was. Talked like a, she talked like a man better than most men can. Totally was, and I just thought it was a cool, like, reality check for Wanda. Um Kind of showed her that uh, not everything's under her control. Just like she saw the milk carton changing eras earlier. Now the cameraman's talking to her. And she even says, like, hey, you're not supposed to do that. What are you doing? You can't talk to me. So, and then uh, did we get a commercial last week? Was yeah, that the so claymation the, one? Yeah, we got the yogurt one. Oh, uh, yeah. That, that that morbid one. Yeah. Well, we get another one this week, the Nexus commercial. And Nexus, folks... It's a gateway that provides a path to alternate realities, which makes a lot of the theories, namely the X-Men one, still possible. So I I do have to say this one was a lot lighter than last week's fucking commercial. Oh god. <laughs> but I did think it was funny. That might have been the darkest claymation ever put to screen. I seriously doubt that, Zach. People have done some <laughs> fucked up shit. <laughs> but <laughs> I, take I did like I like that one of the side effects of Nexus was more depression. Actually, no, Nightmare Before Christmas. The fuck am I talking about? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Zach. What are you talking about? <laughs> about uh the darkest like 30 seconds ever. How about that? That's probably fair. But <laughs> No, I was like I was saying, just one of the things I appreciated about the commercial is that one of the side effects of this antidepressant is possibly more depression. Yeah, like, <laughs> they nailed that part of it. They nailed it. <laughs> that was really fucking funny. Way funnier than it had any right to be. They nailed the side effects part of that commercial. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing with those commercials, like... Be aware, if you take this antidepressant, there is an increased risk of heart attack in males 55 and older. You know, and they if, say it, if it works, it works. If it doesn't work... You're fucked! <laughs> Official analysis from Alex Burr. Well, if this doesn't work, they're fucked. <laughs> you can use that in your next play-by-play thing for... <laughs> I don't think I can, Zach. Well, if the zone doesn't work here, they're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Youngstown State has tried all the things to stop Marcus Bird. If they can't use, if they can't do this one three one diamond trap to stop Burke, they're fucked. <laughs> this is, I think, though, if really, viewers this, like me would appreciate it. This is a tangent. People would absolutely love commentary where announcers can curse, and yeah. they should do it on HBO, right? Like. You got to pay for cursing. You got to pay for cursing. Because if you're going to get all high and mighty about it, well, you paid fucking money for it. Right? Yeah. Nothing like that. Like, I think they should definitely do that in the fighting sports, first of all. Yeah, they should. Like, that's, that's like, I don't like fighting, but that's a no-brainer to me. And because a lot of people that like fighting, I can't imagine if you're watching someone get their face pounded, and I can't imagine you object that much to cursing, generally speaking. Like, when um, I, like, the... 
The McGregor and uh, I think it was Gaethje. Gaethje fight. That happened a couple weeks ago. That knockout happens? What do you think the first words out of my mouth were? <laughs> Holy oh, shit. shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's like during basketball games, right? Isn't everyone's favorite thing when they catch Carmelo saying, give me that shit on a hot <laughs> mic by the, on a rebound. Isn't that, doesn't everyone love that? I've never met a person who's like, you know what, Carmelo, you're not allowed to say, give me that shit on a rebound. Like, no, I'm so like, uh, I'm not going to go on a rant. I'm not going to go on a rant, but don't, you don't have the, to. people in this country are too puritanical about things. I Generally think uh, it would be more genuine, honestly, if announcers could curse. But that's that's neither here or there. Again. <laughs> could you... <laughs> it's either here or there. I just think I think I think it'd be better. I, I think you agree with me. <laughs> could you imagine Mike Breen supplementing Bang! Holy shit, Jeff Van Gundy! <laughs> like... <laughs> Tony Robo, that what a fucking play! <laughs> that was a terrible Jim Nance, I have to say, but <laughs> I just imagined it. That's awesome. But anyway, back back to this. So anyway, wait, 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 wait! Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. How much more would you like Troy Aikman if he cursed on air? Uh well, if you've if you've heard me on the Linsanity Pods, I don't think very highly of Aikman as a commentator. But <laughs> no, you don't. I suppose that would uh, lighten my opinion of him. Yeah, lighten. <laughs> <laughs> now, see Joe, Joe Buck, aka Joe Fuck. Here's here's why. <laughs> what a fucking play by Patty Patrick Mahomes there on that fucking out route. <laughs> this was a throw that there's no way in hell I could have made. And back in my day, Joe. <laughs> You gotta be shitting me, Joe Buck. That's a horse shit call, Joe. That's to- that's total horse shit. <laughs> oh jeez. But anyway, Nexus, folks. <laughs> Nexus. Um well I guess we can kinda touch on this now, Alex. I think this is this would be a good time. Um Nexus allows the X-Men theory, I think, to still be a possibility. That the X-Men could enter the MCU from a different reality, from a different dimension. And I think that's a big reason it was included here, and I think it's still a possibility. But Monica enters the hex again, Alex. Give us your thoughts <laughs> about Monica with this this specialized, this specially made uh, vehicle trying to go into the hex. All right. So the vehicle got fucked pretty quick because <laughs> people just keep underestimating over it, o- over and over again how strong this hex is, right? Should just slide right through. <laughs> Can I talk about one of my favorite phenomenons in TV and movie making, though? And that is when you have an aerial shot of a car and you can very clearly tell that what they are shooting is not a car, but instead a Hot Wheel, right? Yeah. And t- convince me, Zach, that that giant fucking car was not a Hot Wheel that we saw in the... Look. <laughs> I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, under the Hot Wheel bus, but yeah, probably. It probably like, was. 
uh, listen, I understand. It's really hard to get a car on its side. Practically yeah. speaking. Honestly, yeah. a car, that car that they're throwing around, probably at most, at, at lightest, I should say, weighs at least three tons. And I would oh, guess yeah. with how much they modded out that car, it weighs probably a couple tons more. <laughs> yes. So yes, I understand it's impractical impractical to get a car on its side like that. However, I just think it's funny. Um, listen, I thought it was great that Monica wanted to go back in after she just totally, <laughs> after the car got fucked. Okay. Really courageous, I thought, honestly. Like she's got, listen, she's got the it factor. Nobody knows what it is, but you know it when you see it. She's got the raw she's, talent. She's got the it factor. She's she's a hero. Like she that's a really heroic thing to do. You know, she's trying to save Wanda. And this is Zach, I've been talking about this since we found out that she's Monica, or not found out, but since she's became Monica, is that she's looking like one of the heroes of the show. Yeah. And if you're gonna do be a hero, you gotta do things that you know will I mean, she's Let's, definitely she's definitely uh, on the outside of the hex. Mm-hmm. Best thing going. And, and then once she got about that, and then we'll talk about the sequence in a second, probably. But then once she's back inside of it, she makes a beeline for Wanda, and she's trying to help her. And she sees the good in Wanda when Hayward clearly doesn't. Hayward, I don't think gives a fuck about Wanda. If I Hayward uh, was ready to shoot her down with missiles, as we recall from a couple episodes ago. Yes. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about that sequence where she's coming into the the hex because I thought the graphics on that were really cool, and I thought the voices, the voice interlays that they were playing were really cool too. You great. know, like totally great. I thought just everything about it was phenomenal, and then the way her eyes were shining blue. If I I think she has brown eyes normally. Normally, I don't really pay attention to eye color. I think she does. Yep. But the blue eyes really stood out. Like, oh, she's different now. Yeah. Like, because she doesn't look appreciably different. No. But now she doesn't. Now she's got like she's seeing the electrical fields around the hex as soon as she comes out of it, and she also is, must be very fast because I don't know how far the edge of the hex is to Wanda's house. We sure, uh, uh, maybe like a mile. All right. All right. Here's, here's a question I have, Zach. Is it ethical if you know you have superpowers and don't disclose them to enter the Olympic games? No, it's not ethical. Is it a bad thing about, does it, is it basically doping, but tenfold? Is it a bad thing about me that if I had superpowers, the first thing I would do is go join a local track team to try and get noticed by an Olympic coach. <laughs> okay, so you you have physical powers. Okay. See, I was thinking uh, I would have some psychic powers, and I would just uh, make like Tom Cruise and Rain Man just go to go to all the casinos. If you're Quicksilver, okay, and surely Quicksilver has to have like a bike, um, you yeah, know, like speeds kind of on like, a bike, right. Where he can adjust the speed. You know, why wouldn't you make yourself millions upon millions of dollars? I don't know. Why wouldn't you uh, go beat Usain Bolt? Exactly. Man to ever beat Usain Bolt. <laughs> why? If you're Aquaman, 
Why wouldn't you go beat Michael Phelps in a swimming competition? Talk about a holy shit moment for commentators. Oh, shit, a white boy beat Usain Bolt. <laughs> Alex Burr from Portage, Indiana. Oh, who, hell. Who just started running when he was 35 years old <laughs> is suddenly the fastest man in the world. Folks, you have to see it to believe it. A white dude just crossed the finish line before Usain Bolt. I don't believe it. Somehow he is 350 pounds, has a beer belly. <laughs> and he... <laughs> oh, Listen, geez. but no, I don't think it would be ethical. I don't I don't think it would be. It'd be like uh, Albus Dumbledore entering a magic show. Just wouldn't make sense. <laughs> but if Albus Dumbledore was Penn and Penn and Teller. <laughs> wait, that's David Blaine's like, wait, that's, that's cheating. You can't do that. He's doing actual magic here. <laughs> and Teller wouldn't tell because he doesn't talk. It's oh, yeah. the perfect ruse. <laughs> oh, geez. But this, this was uh, definitely the most visually appealing scene. I don't think that's an argument. You made a good point about the voiceovers. Uh, some voices we heard. Her, her uh, mother, Maria, main character in the Captain Marvel movie. Captain Marvel herself... Carol Danvers and uh, Sam Jackson, Nick Fury. Those are the ones I could discern. Did you uh, discern any other ones? Well, young Monica, those, those are the voices, right? But you're, you got the the rest of them pretty spot on. And like the heroic thing, right? Like to get, I know I've been pretty jokey in this episode, but to get back on the serious track here, heroic things, generally speaking, involve sacrifice. And, Yep. Monica didn't know what she would be doing if she went back into the hex. She didn't know what would happen to her body because Darcy already told her that her cells had changed on a molecular level. But to not care and to go back in there anyway, that's like that defines like what a hero is, generally speaking, like by our understanding of it. And that so, seems to be how she got her powers. Right, exactly. So I thought that was a really key step for her. And I, I, just, I really thought this was a great Monica episode, just generally speaking. Might have been the best, do you think? For her? Oh, yeah. No, not, I mean, she got superpowers. <laughs> Hard to beat that. I mean, that's, that's pretty high up on uh, <laughs> the power rankings for her episodes. That's pretty good. So, listen, the main takeaways from this episode are that Monica had a great episode and that I would use my superpowers to cheat. In the Olympics, <laughs> I mean, Alex has, I, no, Alex has no morals. That's 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 the that's the theme here. I have I have takes, <laughs> I have takes that'll make people upset, but I'm I'm not ready to to unveil them on the Circle City Cinema. You know, it, <laughs> get, get me on get me on a debate show. Maybe I'll maybe I'll hop on Battleground this week Battleground. and I'll unveil. Oh, I'll, I'll unveil my controversial takes. Interesting, interesting. Well, stay tuned, folks. Uh, Darcy explains the Infinity War events division. I thought this was pretty cool. Uh, again, writers kind of cornered here, didn't have much of a choice, had to fill vision in on what was going on. I just think it's interesting. Maybe it's just as simple as he's an android, a synthesoid, that he can't remember what happened before Thanos bodied him. I mean, is it? Do you think it's that simple? Yes, I think so. I mean, I don't. I don't think it's. I just think it's that simple. 
I think that the reason why Hayward, don't call me Gordon, couldn't revive him is that Vision actually had a soul. Like, and Hayward looked at him like, oh, this guy's just a robot, you know, but Vision had feelings. Vision cared for people, you know, like he wasn't just, (laughs) he wasn't just bulls and wires. He actually cared about people. So, yeah, of course, listen, your hair couldn't even compare to Gordon's anyway. But, of course, of course, your bland looking ass couldn't comprehend that concept. <laughs> if you if you look at uh, Vision and Age of Ultron, could you ever have thought he would get to this point? I wouldn't have thought we'd be here after Endgame, if I'm going to be honest with you. You thought he was done. I mean, he was dead dead. Yeah, he's gone. Also, how did... uh? Well, I guess it wouldn't have been that hard to get into Wakanda after Thanos snapped because he, he'd left. But I was going to ask, how did they get Vision's body so easily? Nobody picked up Vision's body from the Avengers? They all just fucked off? That's an excellent question. <laughs> he w- <laughs> Steve Rogers is so big into the no funeral for Vision. Yeah, I guess that's something too. Steve Rogers is such like a you know American military man. You would think that he would. No, I'm just talking like real specifically. You would think that he would want Vision to have like a military type funeral. Well, I guess not, Alex. They they just left his body laying in the Wakandan desert, and that's it. Listen, they had to focus on getting Tony out of space. You know, priorities, priorities. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I, I guess you wouldn't have been in the right state of mind after half the people around you died. No. No. And my question is, though, Okoye was still alive. Right. Why didn't Okoye take him in? Because. I don't know. I don't know if Shuri. Does Shuri get snapped? Gonna- um. Weren't very clear on that. I'm googling it. They weren't very clear on that. I'm not sure. Um, Angela Bassett, who plays Shuri and Black Panther's mother Ramonda, said in an interview with Screen Rant that both her and her her character and Shuri are still alive following Infinity War. Okay. <laughs> like Shuri, I don't know. I feel like Shuri could have revived Vision. Oh, but, well, yeah, she could have. She could have found a way. Like, Shuri, we both agree, Shuri's the smartest person in this moment in time in the MCU. Yeah. This, I don't yeah, know. It's either her or Bruce Banner at this point. Yeah, and I mean... And Bruce is, like, semi-retired. I, I don't know why... I don't know why you say that, Zach. He only brought humanity back to life, and his arm is only a crisp now. He needs Tommy John. That's that's the main thing. He needs Tommy, <laughs> Tommy John. John. He needs <laughs> bionic. He needs the Winter Soldier's arm. Uh, so then, Wanaka or Wanaka? Yeah, Monica confronts <laughs> Wanda. <laughs> Monica. Wanaka. Wanaka. So that's a new character I invented. Monica confronts Wanda in her front yard. She's back. She gets in the house, actually. Uh, exhibits her new powers after being thrown up in the air by Wanda. 
it's kind of cool. It's really cool, actually, Alex. Yeah, because let's face it, Wanda doing that to to Monica, Wanica, um, <laughs> that would have killed a mere mortal. Yeah, but do you think she's going for the kill? I don't. Wanda has not. Listen, if I was a PR person, this is not Wanda's best showing by any by any stretch of the imagination. You're gonna sweep this under the rug. You know, listen, she's having a little bit of a PR disaster right now. Politician Alex Burp. <laughs> listen, you know, that's what that's what my specialty is. That's obviously what I went to college for is public relations. Um, <laughs> all seriousness. Yeah, he is not. She is not looking great, but let's she still is a hero. Like she wants she's on the good side. She was already a villain once, you know, in Age of Ultron for half the movie. I don't think she wants to go back to that. I think this show has been mostly about like, obviously, yes, they want to parlay the house of M storyline, but a lot of this, I feel like is Wanda dealing with, you know, all the trauma and obviously Agatha throwing Pietro back into the mix. Not good. Right. Um, that being said, I just think that Wanda is going through it right now. And if we were in a similar spot, you could say that going through it is obviously putting it very lightly, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm just trying to approach it with a little bit of nuance here. I don't think she's a bad person. No, I don't think so either. But like, if you come up to me, well, like, let's just say, you know, someone punches me in the face and then they kick me, they kick me, they um, hit my knee with a, tire iron right do you think i'm gonna be like in the most giving and receiving of moods no after that like am i gonna be am i gonna have an inclination for wanting to wanting to be in a generous mood or am i going to be in a a vengeful mood we all know the answer to this question so everything that she's doing if you look at it through that lens makes 100 percent complete sense totally but again if i was the pr firm of Alex and Alex or Alex and Griffith, you know, we would, um, we would decline Wanda Maximoff as a client right now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough. There's a, there's a cloud hanging over. You can't, you can, you gotta get away from it. You mean an electrical field hanging yes. over. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. You can't get too near it. Honestly. Uh, Agnes then intervenes your girl, Agnes, AKA Agatha takes Wanda away. To her house, which, as we learned, she would have been much better off in her driveway with Monica. Uh, let's get to the reveal. Uh, we we talked about the reveal at the top, but um, your general reactions to this? Because I uh, texted you before you even watched it. I just said, "Congrats." That's all I have to say. <laughs> I figured it was about Agatha. I figured this was the episode where we got the reveal. I feel like I was two for two, Zach. I predicted Monica would have superpowers. I, I feel like, you know. Yeah. Yep. I'm two for two. Obviously, one of these wins is a lot I've been predicting for a while. Lo- a lot longer than the other one. Well, Agatha, you, I, I, I'm in the first episode when we talked about episodes one and two, you called it from the top. I did. Totally called it. So this is what was going through my mind. I'm like, okay. 
where are the kids? That was my first thought when I watched this scene. Well, I can tell you. I mean, we we are we're under the assumption the kids are dead. Which let's face it, for a Disney property, this is bold. <laughs> Doing Very. this, I Very I can't bold. let's just talk realistically here, Zach. I'd say it's a 50-50 shot the kids are dead. 50 the first 50 is that this is a story that happened in the comics and they're staying true to the comics. The other 50 is that Which I hope of, that's the one. Yes, you hope that's the one. But the other 50 is that people are going to be really pissed off if they kill a couple of kids in an MCU show. <laughs> a lot of people are going to probably going to be pissed off. Right. That haven't read the comics. So it's a bold choice for a show if they go with route A. And just going off the logistics of the thing, I would doubt they go with route A. But that being said, I was shocked. I was like, where's Tommy and Billy? That was the first thing that was going through my head. And then as she's going downstairs, I'm like, oh, no, don't go downstairs. Don't go downstairs. And then she's downstairs. Trapped. She's trapped in Agatha's lair. And I was like, oh, Oh, there you go, Wanda. Now you got to find your way out of this, which that was a hell of a cliffhanger to leave the episode on. It I was. Would. And let me say this about I'm glad you brought that up. Let me say this. I am looking more forward to the episode after this than I was the episode after Quicksilver. I don't know why that is, but I'm looking more forward to next week than I was when Quicksilver was revealed. We're approaching the climax, Zach. That has, to, that has to be it. And I got a comp to make for you. Let me see if you agree with this. All right, let me hear it. Wanda walks into Agatha's basement, the lair. You know what kind of vibes I got from that? What'd you get? Luke Skywalker walking into the dark side forest in Empire Strikes Back. Mm. When he finds uh, Darth Vader in the forest. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. I love it. I love it. It's perfect. It's honestly, perfect. Well I done. It. I got the. I, I got those vibes. Uh, are the kids dead? Um, probably. Right. You, you the know. kids are probably like. I could see a little bit of a resurrection happening. Yeah, I maybe. could see the kids being dead, and then maybe just maybe. They're brought back to life, but... Are they really dead if they didn't exist in the first place? Okay, um, listen, I'm going to need you to report to the police with how much marijuana you smoked today, sir. (laughs) None, for the record, none. Are you... Can you really be dead if you've never existed in the first place, man? Hey, man... It's just like, yeah. Well, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> well, with the way I'm laughing tonight, you would think so. You would think I had smoked a little reefer, but I have not. <laughs> For any prospective police officers listening, Zach, Zachary Griffith has never smoked any. No, never. Any of the reefer, the ganja, never in his life. Clean chronic, as a whistle. The chronic. <laughs> uh, Hemp, um, <laughs> Mary Jane, whatever you want to call it. Hash. <laughs> what year is this? Like the ne- when did the 
call it hash like the fucking i don't know i don't know i don't know (laughs) i think they might have i think my grandpa still calls it hash (laughs) that's that sounds about right how old is your grandpa if you don't mind me asking uh 78 so yeah sounds like a 50s term yeah smoking on that hash makes sense um you ready for the questions um I know I touched on the song earlier, but I thought they executed. That was like a really, really well executed song at the end of the uh, Agatha sequence, because first of all, the song was good. And if the song is good, you get five extra points for me in my book. The points are meaningless. (laughs) Um, But I think that I really like the execution of the last the last five minutes of the show. And I feel like is your first question related to the mid credits scene? Um, no, I feel like we should touch on that first though. Since Okay. So I'll, I'll ask the question, Zach, because I'm curious about it. Okay. So hold on. What do you think? Quicksilver is going to do to Monica? I think that's my biggest question. You didn't have it on the dock, but it's my biggest question. Honestly, I think all he's going to do is bring her to Agatha. I don't think he himself is going to do anything to her. Because honestly, I don't think he is uh, that powerful to do anything to her. He has super speed. He has super speed. Yeah. But she's like Spectrum now, Captain Marvel now. It's true. It's true. So what if she? I think he's just going to be a good little henchman and bring bring Monica to his master. Uh, real quick, real quick. I watched the um the sequence from whatever X Men movie he does the saving everyone in because that's oh that's apocalypse. What, yeah, I don't remember that movie, and it's probably for the best. Yeah, that, that se- movie sucked. That sequence though, best part of hol- the movie, hands down. It's Hall of Fame sequence, like movie sequence, right there. Yeah, superhero, whatever. Especially the music. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. It? yeah, it's the best part of the movie, hands down. And that was the second time he did it first in Days of Future Past. I honestly thought the Apocalypse one was better, even though Apocalypse sucked and <laughs> Future Past was a really good movie. <laughs> but uh, my question for the Nexus was this. Did Agatha conjure up the X-Men Quicksilver or did she get him using the nexus pathway well we'll obviously have to see but if i'm correct it's more interesting if it's if it's the nexus pathway definitely the nexus opens up really opens up the possibility for the multiverse right right so it would be more interesting if she used the nexus but i if she's super fucking powerful and conjured him herself (laughs) then I don't think that's uninteresting, if that makes sense. No, it's definitely not uninteresting. I just think big picture, grand scheme of things, especially feeding into like Spider-Man 3 and uh, Multiverse of Madness, the Nexus uh, storyline could come in handy. You know? Oh, absolutely. Do you think Agnes... Agatha. Her name's Agatha. I should say that more. Do you think at this moment, because she uh, kind of controlled Scarlet Witch there for a sec. 
Do we have to assume she's more powerful than Wanda? I would say yes. Or on the same level? On the same level. Now, calling back to an episode a couple times ago, she was genuinely impressed that she brought Vision back to life. Agatha was. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? I guess we'll have to see exactly how she brought Pietro back. That would probably... Because if she just conjured a whole new Pietro, right? That's... Yeah. That's pretty fucking... Like, because she wouldn't know what Pietro looks like. Yeah, good point. Right. So, maybe, like, this is her mind's eyes version of... Of what Pietro looks like? I'm not sure, but... What do you think is more powerful? Bringing somebody back from the dead, like Wanda did? Or potentially opening up a pathway to another reality? Like Agatha may have done. I... Uh, I think I might lean towards uh, alternate tough. reality. Yeah, Probably. But I mean, it, it's tough either way because bringing people back from the dead, that's something that people always like. That's a lot of fantasy stories, like dreams. Like that's a lot of what villains are trying to do. Like they're trying to bring people back from the dead. Yep. So Night King. Exactly. Hot <laughs> home. I'm the boy. Younger than Bran. <laughs> Quiet woman. <laughs> they never uh, tell you. They never tell you in the songs how they shit themselves. You do Robert better than I do, especially that one. I do a great Robert. <laughs> Alex, your Brad- mother was a whore with a fat ass. Alex Baratheon, first of his name. <laughs> titles, um, titles, titles. Do you-, you know the damn words. <laughs> Do you think Vision is going to be on an island here when trying to save Wanda? I think we have to say no, just based on that quote about the cameo. It depends, A, what happens with Monica. If Monica is not captured by Agatha, then perhaps. Then no, Vision wouldn't be on an island because she'll have, he'll have a fucking incredible powerful person next to him but it it seemed like they were setting up this episode setting up vision to be the one who saves the day in the end sounds about right feeling i i didn't get that feeling from watching it but i can definitely when now that you brought it up i can definitely see it like when he walks out of that uh interview and says what am i doing here my wife needs me i love the way he hit the boom mic by the way yeah, <laughs> the little de- it's the little details that make the show so great. It is. It totally is. And I think it's time to uh, theorize who the cameo could be. Alex, the popular theories right now are Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, reprising their roles from the X Men franchise. How old is Patrick Stewart? I don't know. Eighty. Ian McKellen's probably pushing eighty too. Dude, he looked old in the Hobbit movies. He looked old in the Lord of the Rings movies. In the what the hell? 
Patrick Sir Patrick Stewart is eighty one year or is he's turning eighty one this year. Oh. And I'm honestly surprised that Ian McKellen is still alive just because I view him as that old. He's also eighty one, Ian McKellen. He's eighty one right now. I think so those two make sense. But if they're gonna bring in Magneto Zach, I don't think Sir Ian McKellen is the one they'd bring in. Based on them bringing in Evan Peters, I think they'd bring Fast in Bender. Fastbender. Right. I think they age him up a little bit. Age him up a little bit. I mean, they didn't age up Evan Peters. I guess they did age up Evan Peters a little bit, but not that bit. much. You'd have to age up um, Magneto, definitely, especially if he's supposed to be their dad, you know? Is James McAvoy the one who took over for Patrick Stewart? Yeah. Yep. How how is he doing as Patrick as as uh, Professor I, X? I, I don't, don't like him. I don't like him. I didn't see all all three of the um, or I didn't see Split because that movie looks like it would freak me out. But I did see Glass. I did like him at Glass. He was great in Split. Totally, he was uh, awesome in Split. I can't watch those kind of movies because I'm a coward. That's fair. <laughs> But well, I've been on the record on this show many times. I'm never watching The Exorcist again, ever. <laughs> Let's see. Couldn't pay look me up to watch it. James McAvoy and Paul Bettany. They work together. They have worked together. Pa. They worked together in a 2004 romantic comedy. It stars Paul Bettany as a journeyman tennis pro. <laughs> And Kristen Dunst is an up-and-coming tennis star. Sam Neill and John Favreau co-star. Wow. Peter Colts, a professional tennis player in his 30s, whose ranking has slipped from 19th to 119th in the world, has never really had to fight for anything, as his wealthy family allowed him to easily pursue his tennis ambitions. I'm not reading the rest of this plot, but if if you're intrigued... What's the movie called? Wimbledon. (laughs) Course. What a lazy fucking name. Of course, dude. Now, I did look up if he worked with uh, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, and he has not. He no. has not worked with Michael Fassbender either, for what it's worth. Hmm. So, those are looking like realistic targets. There's no way it's Hugh Jackman, right? No, I, I even thought about putting him down here, but I, I just don't think so. And Patrick Stewart has even said uh, he's talked to Kevin Feige about coming back as Professor X, but uh, decided not to because they thought the arc ended very well in Logan. So and I agree with that. But um, some other possibilities that have been floated, and uh, really these are the only ones I could think of, Mr. Fantastic and Captain Marvel. Paul Bettany, I guess he would have never worked with Brie Larson, but right. Um, I don't think. No offense to Brie Larson, but I don't feel like he would have wanted to work with with Brie Larson his whole life. I, I don't know. So okay, so I looked up Hugh Jackman, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany was considered for the role of uh, Javert in Les Misérables, which was Russell Crowe. For those oh, that shit. It would have been a lot better than Russell Crowe. Jean Valjean! That's a shame, dude. <laughs> I think... So, if I was going to power rank, 
obviously I don't think Jack Jackman's there's no way he's coming back to do Wolverine. Absolutely no way. Logan was the perfect way to cap it off. Um, I agree. I I don't see I don't see either of them coming back honestly. Just just based on the way. Okay, I'll rank Fastbender one for me. I think okay. that's most yeah. likely. That's fair for me. And then I'd probably do I'd actually probably do Ian McKellen too, because I feel like Magneto has more pull for the story. Yeah. And then Professor X, or um, <laughs> Professor X, um, Patrick Mr. Stewart. Fantastic. Asks. I can see Mr. Fantastic showing up. I can't really see Captain Marvel showing up, although it would be a uh, a fitting way to tie a bow on Monica's story. But let's face it, Monica's a C player in this story as much as we love her performance. Right. So... In the quote from Esquire, he seemed to... He definitely downplayed Doctor Strange, which, you know... Mm -hmm. He might be doing it on purpose, but who knows? I don't think he was, but it's possible. So let's recklessly speculate before we wrap up, because I think we touched on everything that we want to touch on. Yeah. Who do you think they're going to bring in to play Mr. Fantastic? Well, the dream would be uh, John Krasinski. Right. Um, and that's actually a fan thing that I agree with. I think that'd be really good. Um, But I, I don't know. I really don't know. I honestly thought the guy who played him in the 2005 movie was pretty good. Hold on. Let's look that up. That movie just sucked. Yoan Grafud, or however you say his name. Who? Uh, Yoan Grafud. I don't know how you say his name. It looks like Iowan Grafud. Um, that looks like... The pronunciation guide on, on Wikipedia has not helped me at all. No, it, it sucks. I don't even know why I click on it anymore. <laughs> well, it's a Welsh name. It looks like Yoan Grafud, I think, is what it is. Well, it's pronounced with a J. Oh hell. Um, it's a, it's a backward C. Hold on, let me listen to it real quick. Nobody knows. It's Yoan. It is Yoan, but that Yoan. that was a weird pronunciation. Yoan Grafud. I'm not gonna pretend like I understand Welsh. But my point was, I I think he was actually pretty good as Mr. Fantastic. I think it's funny that Chris Evans came back and bounced back. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, I'm really looking forward to our episode next week, Alex. I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. I don't either. (laughs) This is really... This episode admittedly was very much for the reveal and to get to move the plot along that being said i'm not complaining about it no me neither me neither and uh alex it's time for the plugs so okay alex and dylan basketball power hour so ironically my power went out during the alex and dylan basketball power hour but that didn't stop me i didn't stop dylan basketball blackout hour It would have been a more appropriate name. Unfortunately, half the episode, not half, but about 40 minutes was recorded with power and then an hour was recorded without. So I guess the blackout hour would have been appropriate. But yeah, last week we did the Boston Celtics, the Golden State Warriors, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. If you want your fix, if you want your Steph Curry takes, here's a comparison for you, Zach, to get you to, to maybe tune in, oh. a comparison I made. Carl Anthony Towns is the modern Dirk Nowitzki. And here's why. He 
He's very, he's very skilled. What? <laughs> no, let me explain. Let me explain real quick, okay? Because I know it's, it's shocking. But he's very skilled. He is going to age fantastically well, unless he gets hurt. But this year, he hasn't really been hurt. He just had COVID. Um, he's going to age fantastically well because he doesn't need to jump to get his shots off. He is just one of the best shooters in the league. He can beat you out the dribble. He can beat you in the post. He can beat you from the outside. And also, okay, if Dirk was drafted in 2015, he would be playing center. And if yes. Dirk was playing center, right. these are about the results you would get. So that okay. is why he, it makes sense, doesn't it? Okay. You, uh, you brought me back a little bit. Okay. Maybe. You could see it. Yeah, it's not totally off base now. Now that I think about it, because yeah, he's a great shooter. But also, Dylan Hughes made a shocking—he made a shocking discovery that the Minnesota Timberwolves employ eight players whose first names start with J. <laughs> <laughs> and that, folks, is that great IUPUI education that you should go <laughs> definitely get IUPUI journalism. Um, it's the best there is. But and then Zach was on the running hook with JD Hall, our friend, earlier this week. We were doing uh, all star teams, and that was a fun pod because it went about the way I expected. The three of us had completely different teams, even if a lot of it was the same. Julius Randall, <laughs> I didn't expect that, <laughs> but I expected some chaos. I'll, I'll say that. And well, you got it, I got it. <laughs> um. So go check that out. You you won't regret checking out the running hook. Um, Lynn Sanity, they're pivoting to college basketball, and they last week they kind of previewed the you know the NCAA did their selection Sunday and they did their top sixteen teams and where they would seed them if the tournament started. So top four seeds in each um, bracket. So go check that out because they broke that down pretty well. Actually, tomorrow or not yesterday. <laughs> Caleb and Bryce are going to have a great game to break down because number three versus number four, Ohio State versus Michigan. My Michigan Wolverine, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) I like like Michigan basketball. I am not touching Michigan football with a 75. I've always liked Michigan basketball. Okay. The the uniforms have always appealed to me. (laughs) That's Um, fair. That's why I like my hockey team. Exactly. Um, Mitch McGarry, shout out to Mitch McGarry. Oh, wow. He grew up in a town um, right next to mine. Spike Albrecht actually went to school where um, my girlfriend went to high school. They didn't overlap, but I think he missed wow. her by about two years. Blast from the past. So, yeah, um, Glenn Robinson the third, Lake Central. Yeah. So Former Pacer. So I always had an affinity for that team because they had a really heavy region presence. And then... You know, I've always just liked the uniforms. I always like the way Michigan guys play. They're always good NBA players. So I like the basketball team. I'm not going to act like I'm a fan, but I, I've always had a soft spot for the Michigan basketball team. I, I will say. That's fair. And so you got to check out their college basketball show. Um, Triple Ashton Pass. I'm going to try to work out something. Draft season is going to start soon. So their draft coverage, I will say, that's going to probably be their the majority of their stuff between now and the draft. And then... Should have, could have, would have, probably for the rest of the offseason, which they should have, could have, would have series is great. Um, and then Battleground, we might be doing another Battleground this again this week. I don't I know. Think, if I think you might as well book it, Alex. Might as well. Um, there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about, so go check that out, especially if we record on Tuesday because I think they're announcing the reserves the day that we're releasing this. So, yeah, right. 
Um, so go check that. Go check that out. And then Zach, what do you have coming up on the docket for Circle City Cinema? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. I got the X2 monologue coming out soon. I'm gonna just edit that soon and release it. Just FYI, I will. I'll just read the plot for X2 and then watch it some other time. <laughs> That's coming. Uh, and then the long-awaited Fast and Furious Saga countdown to F9. My first guests, Bryce and Devin, making their debuts on Circle City Cinema, were discussing the first installment, The Fast and the Furious. Absolutely. We're recording that on Wednesday. And then we're going to... So coming... The favorite movie series that Zach is wanting to get off the ground. Coming, t- the first one up is Caleb Lynn's Coming to America. Now, on March fifth, there's going to be Coming to America. Yes. So perfect timing. We are going to try to have that out before then because that's important to me. Um, you know, perfect consistency. Timing. Really, it's perfect timing, and um, <laughs> Zach is gonna contact Caleb, and we'll get that set up asap, and I'll have that out asap. So. That's all uh, I've got planned so far. That's all, you know, that's everything I've got too. Um, I'll be on for that series for Goodwill Hunting, but that's not as pressing because there's not good will to <laughs> hunting. <laughs> too good, too will, to hunting. Um, <laughs> but yes, go check us out on The Running Hook. And Zach, thank you so much for having me. Hey, always a pleasure. And as always, thanks for listening, folks.